I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. It's 9 o'clock p.m. here. It's the middle of the morning in Perth. I've just caught up on the news. James Duncan's been, well, they've mutually agreed to part ways, the Bullets and James Duncan's, our mate Sammy McKinnon, ironically another has been, takes head coaching responsibilities uh, in an interim basis. What do you think? Well, I think Brisbane to this point have been underperforming. So uh, I don't think it comes as a huge surprise that uh, JD's been let go. Um and then Sam gets an opportunity. Sam, he was a G, well, is a GM, but um, had been an assistant coach uh, previously. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. It'd be interesting to see the different style of play from JD to to Sammy. Uh, but they've definitely got a, a roster that can uh, can do some damage, and I think we're all just waiting to see it happen. We, we mentioned it last week. Surely Aaron Baines gets some touches now. Oh, he has to. I think my one gripe with Brisbane was you've got the best screener turn roller that can keep a big on his back and big seals in the, the big seals on the front of the rim. Yep. Yeah, and uh, we saw. Well, I got to witness it in the preseason blitz, and I'm like, wow, like no one's going to be able to stop that if Baines does that short roll and just keeps the guy on his back. He's going to get to the free throw line. I mean, he he should minimum be having 10 free throw attempts a game, I believe, uh, with his size and strength and his ability to hold people on his back. Um, and what we've seen so far is him being frustrated, uh, probably putting up more threes than what I thought he would. He's, he's a capable shooter. He, he, you know what? He's shooting him as a... You know what? If you're not going to give me the ball, I'm going to shoot it from here. Is what it looks like. That's what it. That's what it feels like. Uh, so, I'd assume that we'll see Baines around the basket more. I'd assume that we'd see more action, seeing Johnson working off screens to get open looks. I'd expect Jason Kadee to continue to be that facilitator, and I'd expect that we'd see Sobe more in a slashing. Uh, instead of trying to make it happen off the dribble. Um, that, that would be the changes that it, I would have as if I was in the coaching position. You know what, it'll be interesting. And as we said, Sammy's a mate of ours and he hasn't had the head coaching role before, so I'm fascinated and I can't wait to see what he does. And um, everyone here is on his side. But look, well, the beauty of what they've done or the beauty and the timing and what they've done, Brisbane have played less games than everyone in the NBL bar cans. They've played nine games. And they're three and six, but let's just go across to the loss column. They've only lost six games. So Sydney, New Zealand and Cairns have sort of gapped the rest of the league at the moment. And then the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix in fourth place have five losses. So realistically, when you're looking at it, Brisbane are only one loss behind the fourth place team. So... This thing's so wide open. We've talked about Brisbane, but what else have you got? I haven't seen much NBL. I've been hearing uh, the for uh, two weeks. What do we got? I was going to say that Brisbane are in a very similar position to where the Jack Jumpers were last year. <laughs> like they they had a slow start to the season, but got their mojo right at the right time. And uh, I could see Brisbane doing the same thing. Look, NBL wise, very excited for tonight's game. Cairns v New Zealand. Like these are the the two teams that were 
bottom of the ladder last year. Uh, one had a coaching change in Modi Mayor uh, and, and has real brought a real defensive focus to that group. Cairns offense, I, I, I love the Cairns type hands. I'm on the Cairns type hands bandwagon. I'm on the Keanu Pinder bandwagon. I love the type hands. How big's a bandwagon, Dick? Keanu Pinder, how big's a bandwagon? It's, it's getting, a lot of people are jumping on. Is it sustainable? Yeah. I think it. I think the, the way that the one thing that I like about Forty as a coach is he actually puts his players into a position to succeed. Um, and funnily enough, I was speaking to a New Zealand Breakers player, and I was asking what makes uh, Modi Mayo so good, and he said the same thing. It's not that they uh, shy away from his weaknesses, but they put him in p- positions to succeed and. I love that about the New Zealand or both the coaches that they're doing that. Uh, Keanu Pinder. You, you can't while, name a player when they're giving him a compliment. You're turning into a oh, well, episode into a podcast and you're, I've spoken to a New Zealand player. That's a compliment. You're allowed to say who it is. Yeah, well, it was Cam- Cameron Glidden. He, right. he was very, he was very, very, another Bunbury boy. I mean, the Bunbury connection runs close. Uh no, he, he was – well, we were, we were actually talking about his resurgence as a player this year, you know, and how much happier he just looks on the court. And as a as a friend, I was – I just called him up just to say, look, mate, you look happy. And, yeah, I, I'm happy for him that, you know, New Zealand had no real reason to give him a chance um, after the last couple of years, but he just looks happy again, which I think speaks volumes to the culture that New Zealand's uh, having. The other thing I want to talk about is uh, the Wildcats in Adelaide last night. I mean, Adelaide are looking good. Like the departure of Randall, uh, Frank's being more of a an, an option. I, I actually noticed that they're making more of an emphasis of getting the ball inside. And uh, the Wildcats, uh, their roster just doesn't seem balanced. Uh, it doesn't seem very balanced at all at the moment. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if Perth make pull the trigger, but I, I'm thinking it's not going to happen anytime soon. So, so while you're in Adelaide, um... We've, we've had some, some questions coming over social media and let's jump about a little bit because it seems the right time to ask this question when another question came through. So how the Adelaide 36 has become a genuine NBL championship threat? Because right now they haven't been and there, there was talk about their three imports being, inverted commas, the greatest trio of all time, which was just stupid. Um, one of them has been fired and they're going to be better. Um so, and, and I've got my opinions, and I'll get to them at the end, perhaps, but like I said, you've seen them over the last few weeks without Randall. First question is, are they a championship threat? And if not, what do they actually need to do to become that? Well, it's hard. well if you, you go across the board, look, Mitch McCarron uh, sets the table for, for, for the team. He, he's, he's solid across the board. You got to like what Mitch McCarron does uh, for Adelaide. Um, I think Cleveland needs to step up his game a little bit. Offensively, I like where Robert Frank. Yeah, I'd say 
he's he's not the same player that we saw at Illawarra to this stage. And I think he's got the freedom to become um, a lot more active than what he has been. Um, I like where Franks is at. We we know that he's a solid player. Um, and then you've got DJ, who's sort of been phased out of this, you know, he's been such a dominant, ball-dominant player for Adelaide for so long. Uh, and now he's not getting as many touches as what he has been getting. The the one thing I will say is Drimic has uh, thrived in the environment without Randall. He's been the one player that has elevated his game far beyond any other player in Adelaide. Um, what they need, I think they need someone who's a, a solid solid screener and uh, can get people open um, in that big position. I know Hiram Harris does that. When in his limited minutes, I, I think he's really underrated. He's sort of like a Tom Vodanovic sort of role where he's undersized but does all the dirty work and he, he doesn't – there's no shots for him. He just gets it off himself. But, yeah, it would be interesting that I feel like DJ is sort of the expendable um, – Yeah, uh, you know, I, 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 I agree. So if I like to win a championship, Daniel Johnson needs to play less. He doesn't defend and never has. Um, and there's been a lot of talk over the years about him being really underrated and a lot of talk about why he hasn't made the boomers things. He can't defend. The Adelaide 36ers need a dynamic athletic bid who can be a front-of-the-rim presence to block shots, to finish lob passes when those athletes are dead, going to throw it up in the rim. And they, they need to be more mobile and athletic in that four and five position. So when you go looking for that replacement player for Randall, I think you're right. They've got to go big. And the quicker they phase out, DJ, like you said, he's a ball-dominant player and he'll get his points, but he gives away a lot more points than what he scores. The quicker that they find someone who can plug into those minutes and be a physical post-presence, they're every bit of championship contender. But as soon as there's a weakness or, or you know, there are gaps in the defensive hole of the in the defensive strategy, you know, it's it's tough. Um, so we'll, we'll see what they do. It's going to be a fat bit. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing them go small a little bit as well. Put Cleveland in the ball. Put I, I I like the lineup of McCarran. Sunday Desh because he yep. brings a, a good defensive presence. Um, go Drimic, go Cleveland in the four, and go Franks in the five. That's, that's their best lineup, in my opinion. Couldn't agree more. Now, let's switch it across to the NBA because I'm over here and I've seen a little bit. Um, I got a chance, and, and I was at the Dallas Mavericks game, and, and Josh Green, we saw him before the game, and I mentioned earlier on, I'd had a chat with Dirk Nowitzki who had said that Josh Green was the preseason MVP of the Dallas Mavericks, and that raised a few eyebrows. So we sat in the crowd and we watched Josh Green have 23 points in a losing effort. Ironically, the only three-point shot he missed for the game was one to put him ahead in the in the final minute of the game, which, geez, I was, I was up, I was on my feet, we were every bit in that, but... Um, He's their best defender. 
he's the Dallas Mavericks best defender. That he's the guy that they send at the opposition best player. He's the guy they send to trap. He's the guy that allows the other guys to hide their defensive deficiencies. And he's shooting the ball with so much confidence right now. Um, he's gone to another level. Um, it's going to be fascinating. And you get to this stage of the season and the Mavericks lose a game as they did to a really undermanned Denver Nuggets. And then you hear a few whispers and there are trade rumours of, and now that Josh Green's playing well, there's value There's value in him as a trade asset. So I would love to see him stay at the Mavericks and I'd love to see him experience years and years and play with Luca because he, he actually compliments Luca really well. But the better he plays, the more expendable, the more expendable he might become. But uh, it was nice to see an Aussie have a career game. Um, it was disappointing that they lost by a couple of points. Um, but it was the first time I got to see Josh Green play in person, and geez, he was impressive. I like the fact that I knew you were at the game, and I I like checking out Twitter. Twitter's <laughs> Twitter's my best friend. And uh, lo and behold, Mark Stein puts a tweet out saying Josh Green has a high score, a career high, while the original Aussie for the Dallas Mavericks is, isn't in the crowd. Um, I sort of got a bit, as a mate of yours, I got a bit of a kick out of that, like that you got the recognition that you're at the game and that Josh had his best game as a Maverick at the same time. So, um yeah, no, that, that was that was it was pretty fun to to watch just from afar. That you know, sometimes there's a lot of bullshit on Twitter, but that was like a good good Twitter post of the day for me. No, I'll tell you what, the Mavericks do. The, the Mavericks look after their ex players and coaches better than any club I've ever been around. They're, they're incredible, and that goes to the media. But anyway, Ben Simmons. So I, I got to watch him play a couple of weeks ago as well, and I've watched his games he's gone. I know you have as well a little bit, but there was commentary around that he was done. He shouldn't be a part of the boomers. Um, let me make this really, really clear. And I, and I think you're going to agree with me. I think we're on the same page here. Ben Simmons walks into the boomers team. I, I don't care who you take out of it. Ben Simmons is in. If he wants to be in, Ben Simmons is in. And uh, he... He's a 30-minute-a-game NBA guy. He's one of the best passers in the world. He's one of the best defenders in the world. And the last couple of well, – the last week, he's almost flicked a switcher and said, okay, I'm going to go and find my shot again. I'm going to go and get on the rim. I'm going to be dynamic. I'm going to look to score 15 or 20 points again. And he can. There, there are not many Australian players in the NBA. Matter of fact, there might be none outside of Josh Giddy that can consistently say, if I want 15 or 20 a game, I'll go and get it. Ben Simmons, and, and he played his game, and, and I, wrote a, I wrote an article a couple of months ago that I was really looking forward to seeing the game that Ben played last Tuesday in Philadelphia against his old team to see how he'd respond, because I thought it might take him that long to get ready, to get back to me where he needed to be. And, you know, we watched, he scored the first, so he assisted on the first three baskets. And then he went and found it. They lost, and it was a bad loss. But 
Ben Simmons has been the Brooklyn Nets' best player two of their last three games. That's a team with Kyrie Irving now and Kevin Durant in it. We've spoken for so long as an Australian basketball public about what Ben Simmons can't do. What Ben Simmons can do is world-class, and we should start talking about that again and start giving him another chance. He walks into the team. Don't worry about that. (laughs) And you talk about, I know you do your power rankings and Josh is number one. Ben, if he wants to be number one, will be number one. He's working on getting there. If he wants to be, he's he's the only all-star we have, right, as an NBA player. He's all-star caliber. He's, I'm, I'm sick of this media bullshit around he's washed up or he's no good. Ben Simmons, let's put it this way. If Ben Simmons came back to the NBL, he would destroy the NBL. Have you seen what Dwight Howard's doing in, where is he? Oh, yeah, he's in Ty, Ty, Taiwan. I, so I watched the highlights. <laughs> That's what Ben Simmons would do in the NBL. Correct. Correct. Ben, what did Dwight have? 38, 23, and 9 in his first game and then backed it up with another 20, 23, 20, and, and 9 or something something ridiculous like that. Like, just give the guy his credit. He's an NBL, NBA all-star caliber player who's been given the raw uh, raw deal by the US media that the Australians have jumped on and said, oh, you know, the same piss off. He's bloody good. He's a great basketball player. And um, it's, you know what, when he helps us win another medal coming up soon, I think everyone that any said, said anything bad about Ben will understand that he's the real deal. He's the he's an ideal foreman for us in the Boomers team. A PowerPoint that can can handle the ball, that can rebound, that can defend internationally. He he will help us exponentially going forward. Perfectly said. Now question without notice. And yep. it's one where there's been a little bit of discussion we've had while we've been over here and we've Andrew Wiggins, a little bit similar to Ben in some ways, that at Minnesota, he was the number one draft pick. He was, a, in inverted commas, he was a bust. He goes to the Golden State Warriors, they pick, and, and they find a way to utilise what he does well. All of a sudden, Andrew Wiggins, outside of Steph Curry, is the Golden State Warriors' best, most reliable, most consistent player. So we, we've had this conversation about, you know, culture breeding successful players, but at the same time damaging it. So if Andrew Wiggins, for example, had gone to another team outside of Minnesota, he very well may have been an NBA superstar that that had succeeded from day one. And we've been around the New York Knicks a lot. And the question I'm getting to is RJ Barrett. Extraordinarily disappointing, playing horrible basketball, He's on a big contract. He's not helping the Knicks. And the Knicks have aspirations to go somewhere in the next two or three years. Talk to me in your opinion about how culture breeds success, how culture can damage a player. You know, at what level can the most talented player walk into a horrible environment and the talent gets wasted and you don't see it like Andrew Wiggins and maybe like RJ Barrett? Um 
and I'm also interested in in that same, if there's anyone that jumps to mind, who in the NBA or maybe even the NBL just needs a fresh start to get out of the environment they're in because they're so much better than what their current environment is allowing them to show. Yeah. What comes to mind is when you're on a good basketball team, it's enjoyable to show up for work every day and be around your group and be around the team. Um, when you're in a bad team, it feels like it's Groundhog Day. And, you know, RJ Barrett is probably in that current situation where he's around uh, Groundhog Day at the moment um, where he doesn't want to be there. Now, the person I can think of off the top of my head who would thrive in a different environment would be De'Aaron Fox from Sacramento. You don't like what he's doing this year? Different coach. I think he's been like that this year. I like what he's been doing this year, but how long has he been in that system where if he was in a different system, would we be talking about him the same way that we talk about Ja Morant? He's that explosive. That's what I'm saying. So... Well, we, I think we're both on the same page here, that we both like De'Aaron Fox and we like him. If we put him in a different environment, would he thrive better? I believe he would be. That's just me. I like, I love that Wiggins is, I'd say, I'd say Wiggins had a lot of pressure taken off him as well. Because he was the number one, he was the, he was the number one option uh, when he was in Minnesota next to Cat number one perimeter person, I should say, next to Cat. Now, he's oh, he walked into it and he was the third guy. You know, they were, teams were locking in on Steph. Teams were locking, know that Clay can score 30 points in a quarter. And he became the third guy, but then just thrived in the environment that he was in. Um, RJ Barrett needs a, a new lease on life. Um, I'd love to see De'Aaron Fox get out of Sacramento. I think that would be great for his career, even though he's playing good basketball at the moment. Uh, I just feel like he has so much more to give. You know what? There's a talking. You mentioned Minnesota a couple of times in here and there. You hear a few things when when you're over here. The Rudy Gobert trade to Minnesota. Talking about Minnesota right now. Um, it was horrible to begin with. It was a new ownership group. They wanted to make an impact. They messed up so badly. They, they... Does this not remind you of the old Melbourne Tigers team when they went, uh, where they go, Luke Neville, Cameron Trigar, Matty Burston, uh, Wade Halliwell? It does, and, actually. It does. And, and they were like, we'll just be bigger than everyone. Um, but they were slower than everyone as well. It, it, it actually does. It was just after I finished up. Um, so I walked away from it. But... So now the rumour becomes, and a very, very strong rumours, it's they've got to go there and no one wants to touch him. But just watch this space. I reckon Carl Anthony Towns moves in the next month. But I think they know it hasn't worked. There are a lot of teams that value what Carl Anthony Towns could bring, Carl Anthony Towns could bring to their program. And even guys like RJ Barrett, guys who might be undervalued that Minnesota might want to take a flyer at to get rid of a big contract, to go and help a team in a bigger market, 
because it's, it's both ways. You said there's a lot of pressure when Andrew Wiggins, or there's a lot of pressure released when you're not the number one draft pick. Going to a smaller market does the same thing. So for RJ Barrett, for example, to go to a small market like, say, Minnesota, where no one really cares and have all of that taken off your shoulders, and it might even be for someone like Carl Anthony Towns who probably needs the, the, the exact opposite. I need a big market. I need to be a star. I need to get out of Minnesota. The Rudy Gobert thing doesn't work. Um, just, just have you heard, and I've heard this previously about Carl Anthony Towns, but he's pretty much nuclear. Like no team really wants to deal with him. Uh, he's yeah, a prima donna. Which is why you've got to take a chance. It goes back to the culture part. Yeah. But w- Wiggins wasn't that prima donna, you know, he he was just a guy. He comes across as fairly humble in what he does and how he goes about his business. Where Carl Anthony Towns is quite the opposite of that. That is a, a an attitude and an ego that he brings to the table that I'd heard previously that not many teams really want to touch. At the end of the day, um, so you might, you might, you if that's you, you if that's the wrong. case. But that's an, really back themselves in the corner. That's a bad organization empowering that behavior, though. If you walk into a new one, you don't get that straight away. You fall in the line of this. Do you think he does that at San Antonio with Pop? I don't think so. No. He needs to get out of there. I, I think he moves really, really quickly. Um, we're almost done. I, I, I do have one more, and a little shout out to Daryl Polito here. He thought he'd be funny, and he jumped in our in our uh, in our Instagram. And he threw a question and asked, "Yeah, who's got the shoot? Who was the best shooter at the Melbourne Tigers in the time we played together?" So I've got the microphone, and Daz is not here. Um, <laughs> so, so what you're we, talking about my work colleague here? We are. So, so what we used to do, we used to have a shooting crowd, and what I used to like to do as a player was, I used to try to compete against the best in a particular skill set. So if we were running sprints, I'd try to beat Tommy Green because he was that young, enthusiastic rookie. And I'm like, I remember being that. So I'll have a, I'll, let's go against Tommy in the sprints. So when it came to shooting, like, okay, Daz, let's go. And so we had this imaginary shoot. This is how every, after every single training session, we had an imaginary shooting frame to be the king of the Melbourne Tigers shooting. And we shot 100 shots every day. The old Melbourne Tigers shooting drill. 25 twos, five shots from five spots. 25 threes going back, so it's 50. 25 alternating twos and threes, and then 25 free throws. And Daz was really, really impressed one day when he scored 90 and lost. So, Daz, I know you're listening because I know you're going to pick this up because we'll probably tag you in the Instagram post to tell you about it. But I had the cram so many more times than what he did. <laughs> I, I think oh, we'll no. just leave it at that. So we'll, if you're going to ask a question on this podcast. I, I, I find it ironic as I listen to you that you competed against the best and all you've competed against me with is drinking. So thank you very much. And I think I'll wear the crown there. But uh, <laughs> um, I, while, while we're on shout on. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. You're, you're on your first beer. <laughs> it is 11 a.m. here. It is 9 a.m. here, so I feel like today. While we're on shout-outs, um, 
I've got to give a shout out to my son, Axel. Do it. You know Axel. You know Axel well. Um, I'm playing Axel in fantasy this week, and first off, I'm going to kick his ass. Secondly, he wants to give a message to Shannon Scott of the Cairns Taipans. Okay. He said, you better have a 20-point triple-double if he's any chance of winning this weekend. So, Shannon Scott, challenge out for you tonight, a 20-point triple-double. I promised Axel, he said, Dad, can you mention it on the podcast? I said, I can. Um, you know Axel well enough, Chris. You've seen him from uh, when he was born. He's an avid little basketballer, so is his brother Taz. But uh, they're really into NBL fantasy at the moment, which uh, – Surprises me, but I'm I'm glad it's it's another cool thing that we can bond over. We we better get this finished up and get it online soon, and then make sure we tag Shannon Scott in so he hears about it. Emma, that's probably the first thing we could do. But I'll tell you what, one other thing, and and we'll finish up. But we're going to have our first guest on the uh, on the podcast tonight because again, another little shout out. We'll do it in the next few weeks. But my daughter Izzy, so she's at UCLA. As a, a lot of basketball people know, they actually. And they've had a horrible year with injuries last year. They, they recruited well. She's still not playing, but they won their first tournament in years. They went down to the Bahamas and they had a couple of wins against ranked teams. Their team's flying. Um, so we're actually easy on the podcast and essentially you're her uncle. So we'll get here and we'll have a chat to her. All... Favourite uncle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll do that power ranking in another episode, but we're going to get easy on. Um, we'll get our kids on. We want to make this a little bit different to all the other podcasts that get around. But uh, for now, I'm going to sign out for Nashville. There's Broadway that's calling my name. There's bright lights and there's country music. And you know how much to your disgust I like country music. So uh, we're going to go down and have a look. I'm going to have a beer uh, and uh, we're going to do this again next week. So what are they? Thanks again, mate. Mate, I am in Perth. I am drinking a Brainy Brothers beer. If you haven't tried it, give it a whirl. Um, and I am drinking a bitter because I'm bitter that I'm not there drinking with you and Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see you next week. See you, mate.